We may be walking the path of individuation independently, but that doesn't mean that you're alone. While your journey is unique, we're all going through the same process along our own parallel paths. If you're craving deeper conversation about how your personality type pattern is unfolding, join us for monthly type discussions. The Psyche Design membership group comes with access to a private Facebook group, one facilitated Zoom hangout per month with breakout activities, and a monthly Q&A. For more information, check out the link to my Patreon in the description. The next event will take place Thursday, May 20th at 5.30 Central Time. We'll be discussing the hero complex and how that shows up in our lives, depending on our type pattern. Hope to see you there. Hello, thank you for listening to another episode of Psyche Design. My name is Megan Lavoda, and in a lot of our previous Psyche Design episodes, we have introduced how a personality type pattern uh, operates, the eight cognitive functions, and what that says about our consciousness and our development of our consciousness. And in this episode, I want to kind of dive deeper in what a personality type pattern looks like by using myself as an example and diving a little bit deeper into the ENFJ type pattern. So I'm going to be using uh, John Beebe's eight function model, and I'm going to reference some of the words that he uses as keywords for the eight cognitive functions. And what I also wanted to share is in his book, I have it with me for reference, Energies and Patterns in Psychological Type by John Beebe right here. He has an example from Wizard of Oz um, that is explaining the ENFJ consciousness that really, really struck me. And so I'm going to talk about that in this episode as well. So there's a lot I want to talk about here, but um, essentially, if you're first learning about type, it can be a little bit difficult <clears throat> to pinpoint which one is your type because we all have access to all eight cognitive functions. Everyone can do everything. We're just coming from different places um, when we do that. And so it could get really confusing if you're trying to type yourself based on a set of traits or based on a set of behaviors. You really have to begin to look at the story of your life and what is that story that you have been expressing. And the story of Wizard of Oz is a great example of the ENFJ psyche playing, its, playing itself out as a story. And so I'm going to talk about that and then also my own life. But really the idea is that our dominant function is the protagonist of that story and all of the other functions are we we project onto other people if we're not conscious of it and so whenever carl jung first um identified the eight cognitive functions he was wanting type to essentially solve a problem of why are people not understanding each other? Why are people projecting their bullshit onto everyone else? Why can people not see where the other person is coming from? And the reason why that is, is because we're all basically acting out elaborate stories with our dominant function being the main character. And so how somebody else perceives your story is going to be um, going through their own filter of what their own story is. And so 
when you're typing yourself, you are going to want to look at your own experience. Sure, what other people say that they can pick up about your story is going to be very interesting information if you're wanting to um, see yourself through another lens. But at the end of the day, um, the MBTI is a self-report test and every other sort of personality assessment, it's all based on self-report. So the more you know the patterns and the more you know yourself, the easier it's going to be for you to figure out what your pattern is. And for me, it's super, it's super helpful to look at the story and the interconnection between all eight cognitive functions. That might be a little bit um, too advanced or confusing if you're just starting out, but you know, that's beside the point. I, I wanted to sort of just illustrate what this looks like. So, um, okay. So ENFJ as a type pattern, it, it stems from my core self. It is the seed of my consciousness that has been planted since before I was born. And the way that my consciousness is unfolding and growing as I grow is, is playing a part of the story where it starts with the dominant, but then it, when we're teenagers and when we go into adulthood and we have new experiences that trigger us to open our minds, this is when the dominoes start to fall and these other functions start to become um, more, you start to become more familiar with it. But it's important to keep in mind that because it is this core self, that this story begins at birth, essentially. And so you should be able to find clues about your type pattern from your childhood. Um, so I'll, I'll go into that in a second. But essentially, so we have this core self, but when, we, when we're talking about personality, people are not just talking about their core self. Personality also encompasses how you act in various contexts and the skills and talents that you have developed. And so um, what's really important is to think about this pattern, not just as how you are at school or how you are at work or how you are at home. This should be a consistent pattern across all contexts. And it's just, you have, there's a, it's a given that your pattern is gonna express itself differently based on the contexts. And the different life experiences that you've had is going to influence the way that your pattern grows. So it's like if you were to plant a seed, the environment in which it's around is going to impact the direction it grows. If there's sun on one side of the plant, it's going to gravitate toward that direction, but it's the same plant with the same pattern in the same uh, uh, path of its growth. We're very, very influenced by um, the external world. So that, that's really important uh, to keep in mind. But it's when we're talking about type and being able to accurately type ourselves and others, we essentially have to train our minds to look for these patterns. 
uh, and to look for the way that the energy ebbs and flows. Look for the ways in which someone is overconfident or overconscious and the ways in which they're blind in the sort of drama that they create from the tension of the opposites within their psyche. So that's, I think, enough of a, um, that's enough of an intro. So going into the ENFJ, which is my type pattern, my dominant function is extroverted feeling, which is um, the hero archetype for me. So the words that uh, John Beebe uses for the functions, now there, there are three keywords and they are going in order from less awareness to most awareness. So the first word for, and this is gonna go for all of these terms that I share. The first term is at a core, like basic level use of the function. The middle is a more established use. And the last word is a more transcended higher use of the function. So that higher use is gonna be more common for people who have that function as a preference, if that makes sense. So for example, as an ENFJ, my dominant function, extroverted feeling, the words are validating, affirming, and relating. So this higher ideal of relating is very key for me, and it's something that has been there since, since birth, um, essentially. I remember I started to have, like my first crush was whenever I was two years old, I like was really into like one of Barney's friends on the show and I would get really nervous uh, when that character would come on the screen because I just, I don't know if there was something in my psyche I just wanted to connect or maybe it was something about seeing another child on the screen and knowing that I was a child and like kind of relating like, oh, like that's a dinosaur, but then there's another child that looks kind of like me, you know, I, I don't really know, but I have been person, like the sort of play that I did as a kid, I was always personifying things and trying to create sort of connection. You know, when I would play with Barbies, it would be like extremely elaborate stories of, you know, this person's friends with this person, they kind of like that person. And then this is, you know, um, their crush and then this is whatever and then they're playing I don't know I, I just like went all out with all of that you know when I went into elementary I wanted to be friends with everyone I've always just wanted to be friends with everyone and I've worn my heart on my sleeve and I have um you know wanted to I, I just want to be close and connected with people I want to relate to them and Whenever I hear about somebody else's experience, I um, will instantly sort of want to relate or validate what they are going through. And so extroverted feeling is, um, it is extroverted in nature, yeah, as I just said, which means that um, the feeling is being expressed outwardly um, and focus on the outer worlds of the objective facts. And so for me with my feelings, 
growing up, I was very expressive. I got into dance and choir and theater from a young age. And I, I loved, you know, I loved the act of expressing, which is actually kind of funny. So I'm going to segue to just the beginning of the Wizard of Oz example for a bit, because the Wizard of Oz was one of my favorite movies. It's something that really spoke to me for as young as I can remember, like probably two or three. And it was one of the first um, musicals that I was ever in. And every time I watched the Somewhere Over the Rainbow, I would just cry and cry. And I always wanted to sing the song and have my mom record me. And um, I don't know what it was about it, and I, I was Dor I was uh, Dorothy for Halloween for about three to four years in a row. I just really resonated with Dorothy. And so that's why when I found out that um, John Beebe used Dorothy as an example of ENFJ, um, it, it just is really fascinating because those archetypes spoke to me in a way that I didn't even know. I didn't even know myself. So... He, um, I'm going to put, I'm going to put right now while I'm editing the sort of photo on the screen so that you can look at the model that he, that he came up with, which is, has Dorothy, <clears throat> has Dorothy as the heroine function, extroverted feeling, and then the supportive role, um, the auxiliary function, introverted intuition, is Uncle Henry, Glinda, Yellow Brick Road, which um, I'm assuming that you know the basic story of Wizard of Oz, so I'm not gonna really go into that, but we see the story of Dorothy worried about Toto, wanting to help everyone else, um, feeling maybe like she didn't belong on the farm and there's just this craving to want to belong and want to want to help others. And then this introverted intuition comes in. She starts to dream of a place somewhere uh, over the rainbow. That's what opens up the door um, to this whole crazy journey of going into your introverted intuition world where you begin to believe that there is somewhere over the rainbow where you can belong, where your FE can belong. So, you know, Uncle Henry, Glinda, and the Yellow Brick Road are the sort of um, introverted intuition archetypes in the sense of um, you're supposed to just follow your path. Glinda, the good witch, is like the good parent. In Dorothy's case, the um, supportive mother role that is um, pointing her in the right direction. And she has to trust her in, um, introverted intuition to walk down that path. So then um, we have extroverted sensation, which is um, the inner child tertiary role, which is illustrated by Zeke, the lion, citizens of Emerald City. And you know, so I'm trying to figure out if I should like explain my story and then also this 
simultaneously or if I should do both like one after another, but I guess I'll just say really quick. So I established a little bit about for me with extroverted feeling, how that's always shown up in my life. Some of my biggest problems in my life have, have come from not having boundaries in relationships or being too eager to um, get into relationships or to um, connect with people without really vetting if we were a good match or if they were someone that I felt safe with or any of that. It was just so tuned in to the interconnected web of me and them and everyone's emotions. I'm just so aware of that world that I can get kind of lost of how do I belong or how, where do I fit in here? How do I set, how do I set my boundaries? Um, how can I move about in these murky waters without losing my marbles and getting over emotional about everything? Um, Cause I take everything very seriously and I feel everything. And so it can be very difficult to make decisions and move about in the world, having to consider all of these potentials, all, considering everyone else's emotions along with mine, um, basically just trying to keep those waters still, as, as still as possible. Um, so with introverted intuition, for me, that really kicked in. Um, I was very into music as a kid, and it was something that really meant a lot to me and allowed me to express myself and light myself up. And whenever I was going to college and I didn't quite know what I was going to do with my life, um, I kind of fell down that black hole of existentialism with my um, introverted intuition. And I had to lean into that inner knowing inside me. So the names that John Beebe uses for NI are imagining, knowing, and divining. So at the highest level, you're able to manifest and divine your energy toward where you want to go because you know so deeply who you are, where you want to go, what your path is, you're following the yellow brick road. And so you know where you're going to end up. You can direct your flow of energy um, because you know what you're following. And for me in my life, that has been huge. So I really... um. I really started to dive deeper into my introverted intuition in uh, college and especially whenever I was starting to learn all of this stuff. Um, and then I got more into spirituality. I started to question everything and um, I started to question like, what is God and like, why are there all these different religions? What is the, the theme that connects all of them and how can I find these sort of universal um, ideas about how energy flows and how things go? Um, what, what is like the theme 
as old as time or the, the origin point for all of this, um, I would look very deeply into that and try and discover, um, I guess, a sort of filter through which I want to view life to where the goal is almost like me trying to be really aligned with every step I take and being able to handle all of the all of the tertiary extroverted sensing sort of feedback coming at me. I want to be able to um, have this inner knowing that I can rely on to where I know I can handle anything that comes my way and that I know that I'm in control of whatever happens. And if I'm, if I take the time to look deeper at every path, every potential path, and I decide to choose the one that fits with my inner knowing, then that, you know, keeps me safe. So that's how introverted intuition is that sort of supportive father or mother role. For me, it helps keep me safe if I'm not sure in which direction to go, if I just tune in and be honest with myself about what, what am I being pulled toward? That, um, that really helps or like, what, what is the idea that's landing in my head deep within my, um, my inner world, my subconscious uh, or my um, subjective inner world, I need to say, which NI is sort of connected to the subconscious more than other functions that's been said. So there's something there, but um, it's like for NI to work properly, you kind of have to shut out everybody else's ideas and kind of just tune in to that key idea it's like you already know what the answer is and a lot of times I think people look outside of themselves for for that sort of knowing that really is within and you just have to remember you just have to remember what that knowing is and why we're here um, as humans and not just why we're here as a species but why are you here and um, what are you meant to do? And what, what, is, what is guiding you? So that, that's how my introverted intuition is for me. And then, so we have extroverted sensation, which the words uh, used for extroverted sensation is engaging, experiencing, and enjoying. So for the inner child tertiary function, for anyone, it sort of overinflates and also underestimates the importance. It's sort of this eternal child in which um, there's an immaturity there and it's you're not fully conscious of it. And we can see that in the lion, the cowardly lion who talks a big game, but then is afraid to fully step up. And, you know, in the in the movie in Wizard of Oz, when he sings like I'm the, if I were the king of the forest, it's like he kind of learns how to step into and embody what he already knows to be true. And that's how it feels for me with my uh, tertiary extroverted sensing. 
is that, you know, and when, when Dorothy first meets the lion, he puts up a big game and can be a little bit aggressive and, you know, trying to protect himself. And that's what, for me, tertiary extroverted sensing, it could kind of be overprotective or I can be completely oblivious and not even notice what is happening right in front of me. Um, if I really care about something and I've thought about it a long, long time and it feels very true to where my NI direction is pointing, then I can work to embody that sort of confident energy within me. But it feels a little bit out of control, out of my control. It feels like, um, like it comes and goes. Um, there's something very elusive about it, uh, about it for me. And, uh, you know, in, in this metaphor, it's like the yellow brick road leads to Emerald City. And Dorothy thinks that maybe the answer is going to be there, like at Emerald City. And there's just something not quite, there's something not quite right about it essentially. So I'm uh, moving on here to the inferior function for ENFJs is introverted thinking. So the words that BB uses for introverted thinking is naming, defining, and understanding. In order to solve your problem, you first have to put a name to it and be able to recognize it. And then you define and go deeper into logically what that means before you can fully understand it. And for, for ENFJs with inferior uh, introverted thinking, uh, this is the part of our psyche that is um, in, kind of entangled with the unconscious. And in order to start that deeper shadow work journey, you have to sort of reconcile with this um, this function, uh, no matter what it is in your stack. And so we see Dorothy as she is walking down the Olympic Road, um, the scarecrow uh, represents uh, introverted thinking in this. The scarecrow is the first um, person that she meets along that journey. And he's all tied up. And that's kind of how it feels for an ENFJ when they come across their inferior introverted thinking. And um, you have to free yourself from your own chains. So we have FE untangling TI, um, letting it free. And um, the thing is, is our everyone's inferior function feels like it's got its hands tied, but it's the dominant that kind of put it there, if that makes sense. And we see that, you know, once Dorothy lets uh, the scarecrow down uh, and unties him, and she she's able to fully hear him and is conscious of him, that's when she hears the song of um, if I only had a brain. And so here's the thing is for the psyche of an ENFJ, the TI is not fully conscious. It's something that our ego would like to think that we're doing and that we, we can do, but 
if we are too afraid of what it, the picture that it would look like for us to not fully understand everything, uh, which, you know, the word is understand, we don't like to not understand. And so ENFJs can kind of delude themselves that they do understand because they're afraid of that feeling of feeling like they don't have a brain. So one thing that an ENFJ could do is gain a lot of knowledge on something that they are super interested in, which is kind of what I've done where with, with type, I'm just like fully, my TI is just fully all in, but it can't replicate this in any other uh, industry or topic or whatever. I can't, I can't use my TI the way that I'm using it here anywhere else. But um, anyway, um, I think it's interesting because for ENFJs, I mean, I've had to learn to not be afraid of my doubts and to not be, uh, to allow myself to listen to what are my limiting beliefs? What is it that I'm judging about myself? And what is it that I'm judging about other people? And so it's easy for ENFJs to sort of smack those things away and tell themselves to be nice. So you might have a judgment come up about someone else and you're like, nope, be nice. It's not my place to judge. FE is like shutting it down. Or you might be judging yourself. You might be thinking, I don't want to be in this place. You might be judging your circumstances and your FE might kind of smack it down. But then, you know, it's, it's whenever the scarecrow sings, if I only had a brain and then Dorothy is like, oh, but you can help me. Like you, you are important along this path with me. And Dorothy takes the scarecrow along uh, the yellow brick road with her. That's when the TI starts to gain confidence. So yeah, and there's so much I could say about TI that I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there, I think. So those are the four uh, conscious functions for an ENFJ. Um, before I move on to the shadow functions, I'm just gonna sort of share that, you know, for me, that extroverted sensing is so playful to, for me. Like I love like good, good food. I love going to see uh, music, uh, concerts. I, I love traveling and all of that, but um, it takes a lot out of me and I wanna give it my all whenever I'm there. But there's also so many times in which I can't give it my all and I'm there, but I'm not really there. And I can get very easily distracted by the things that are going on around me. So it could be a real challenge for me to like stop and smell the roses and enjoy the sensory world around me. And yeah, for introverted thinking, I, I've historically been incredibly hard on myself. And I feel like that's kind of a rite of passage for inferior introverted thinking is to sort of, um, because, you know, there's going to be something about your inferior function that's a little bit primal or a little bit, you know, off to where for, for us, we want so badly to be kind and good and helpful for everyone else around us that 
a lot of times our introverted thinking is directed fully inwards at ourselves. It's like that sword that we could be using to fight whatever we're trying to go after. We, um, you know, stick it in ourselves and we're our own worst critic. And we're so afraid of the criticisms of others because we already know we're already criticizing ourselves constantly. So um, we already have like such a deep fear around not understanding. And so one of the ways that an ENFJ is going to try and um, try and understand everything is by listening to everybody's point of view and to try and consider everybody's feelings because that's our sort of roundabout way of trying to understand um, everything in life. And the, the challenge is for us to get comfortable sitting alone with our own thoughts and to think about what do we think and um, what is this, what does this really mean? And what is my stance here? And how can I get comfortable having an opinion? Because essentially for introverted thinking, it is um, the inner logic of your inner world. And you need to know like what that truth is for you and how you operate if you want to move about in the world and get what you want. You can't be making a decision that goes against your truth, spending time with people that are incompatible with you, working toward a career that's incompatible with you. Introverted thinking is very aware of what uh, is compatible, what's not, what is consistent, what's not, what's accurate, what's not. It's very um, precise. And it really can be difficult for ENFJs to go there. And I know for me, I used to be extremely afraid of my own thoughts and I would always be talking to people all day every day I still do um, even though I know the benefits of silence and allowing myself to think things through and come up with my own insights um, I, I have to force myself to do it now um, but I'm not really as afraid anymore I still don't gravitate toward it as much unless it's something I really really care about like this um, because, you know, all of this, like figuring out the pieces of how people operate is all worth it to me if it means that we all can get along better. So that's really what motivates me. That's what motivates me to read uh, philosophy and try and figure this out. Because I, you know, at the end of the day, your inferior function is like the best tool that you have for helping your dominant hero get the job done. So hold on. So those are the four um, core functions that are in harmony with the ego. And we're very conscious of the dominant or somewhat consciousness of the auxiliary if we lean on it. And the other two are kind of, you know, sometimes conscious, sometimes not. But then we have the four shadow functions. So um, for the ENFJ, um, introverted feeling is what BB calls the opposing personality. I also like to think of this function as the evil twin. That's kind of a keyword that I came up with. And in the story of Wizard of Oz, um, introverted feeling is connected to Aunt M, Mira Gulch, the Grouchy Tree, the Tin Man, the Ruby Slippers, and the Witch's Guard. So I have a lot to say on this. Um, introverted feeling 
Uh, the terms BB uses are judging, appraising, and establishing the value. So introverted feeling, it's focused on ethics and values in the inner world, but it's also a judging process that establishes the value and appraises what's valuable, what's not. And so ENFJs tend to ignore this function because it is the same function type as the dominant, but in an opposite direction. And so we're so focused on the feelings going on out here that we can forget to appraise the value of what we're doing because we're looking so objectively at wanting to validate everyone and connect and relate to everyone that it can be difficult to establish the value of, is this person worth it? Is this job worth it? Is what is worth it to me? So I, I love so many of these. So the grouchy tree, you know, that it's like throwing apples at, uh, at Dorothy as she's walking along the path. Like that's how my introverted feeling feels is like, I'm trying to do the right thing for everyone and do a good job at work and be a good partner and be a good friend and all of that. But then sometimes I get in these like grouchy moods or I get extremely emotional. Like I'm a very emotional person. These things sort of pop up and I don't want to deal with them. Like an introverted feeling person is going to want to process their emotions and make sure that they know what's worth it to them and what's not. And they know how to move forward and honor their um their inner emotional world. And when those things pop up, I don't want to deal with it. It feels like it's obstructing my path. Like literally the grouchy tree is like throwing apples at uh at Dorothy when she's just trying to walk. And like that that's how it feels whenever I have these intense emotions pop up. I don't want to deal with them. And so Going on to the Tin Man, we know the Tin Man is, it's funny with, with water being the metaphor for um, the feeling functions. It's like it rained, which made the Tin Man rust. There have been so many times in my life where certain traumas are just like frozen in time because I so want to move on. I've got that um, introverted intuition, yellow brick road. Like, I just want to keep going. Like I'm going to Emerald city. I don't want to like try and ungrease this frozen tin man. Like, but it's so difficult. Like, I don't know. It, it, I feel like there are these certain emotions that are frozen in time and they feel like they're obstructing my path. And then even like Amira Gulch, that's like, you know, trying to take Toto away. Like what a bitch, right? You know, and like that kind of just shows that, you know, with our opposing personality, we can kind of see the negative in it, not really see it fully accurately. But then the most important part here, the ruby slippers. Um, if you've know, if you know the Wizard of Oz, how does how does she get back home? She has to tap in to the ruby slippers and realize, you know, there's no place like home. Like 
the opposing personality is a very special function for for anyone because it's like I think it's one of the the deepest shadows that we have to deal with um in the sense that for an ENFJ um no one outside you can really save you like you're going to you're going to the Emerald City to try and get someone to save you essentially which um, the Wizard of Oz himself is extroverted thinking, the demon function, which I'll talk about in a bit. But the only way in order to sort of get that sort of extroverted thinking result that you want, which is so like not what ENFJs are focused on, is to go through introverted feeling is the opposite function of extroverted thinking. Um it's like believing within yourself. It's so counterintuitive for an ENFJ to think that, okay, and so this is really, this is the realization that I've come to is like, if I want to change the world, I have to change myself. If I want to, um, if I want to, if I, so, uh, sorry, I, I'm a little bit all over the place. I, I just was thinking of this prayer from, from unity uh i don't know if anyone is familiar with unity church or like the religion um this prayer that, or this song that they say at the end of um every service is yes there is peace on earth and yet and yes it begins with me um sorry i, I that idea of like getting really responsible for the peace within you, establishing that inner peace and trusting that that is going to reflect like a mirror outwardly. That is very, very difficult for an ENFJ to grasp. We might preach it, we might get it, we might say it because a lot of us, we have faced experiences in our life that has forced us to confront that. Um, so yeah, that's introverted feeling. Um, and then we have extroverted intuition, which is the senex or witch function, the shadow of mother. And in the Wizard of Oz, it is hickory, wicked witch, or winged monkeys. So for extroverted intuition, the functions that BB uses, or the keywords that BB uses are um, entertaining, envisioning, and enabling. So extroverted intuition enables ideas to come to fruition by entertaining every possibility. And um, this can distract an ENFJ from the path of the yellow brick road. So, because when, when everyone's developing their functions, it really is helpful to try and focus on that auxiliary function that is going to lend support to the hero as it moves its way along. Um, all of the functions. And, you know, the Wicked Witch is trying to steal the, the slippers. And, you know, for, for me as an ENFJ, um, NE can be fun at times, but only within, to a certain extent. There is an, a controlled aspect where you, you want, you want to control it because it could, it seems like it can go out of hand quickly. Um, 
it could feel like it's against you. Um, trying to think of an example. One, one big way that this shows up in my life is that I am absolutely afraid of making any sort of assumption. Um, because the intuitive ideas that I do glean about the world, I want to trust fully and I want to walk the walk with that yellow brick road. I don't want to just entertain an idea. I want to discover um, what is real. So I want to know. I don't want to entertain what might be. So there's kind of a disconnect there where I think, I feel like I've learned over the years that it could be helpful to open myself up to that. But the thing with this function and the staff is that when it tends to be negative. So the uh, auxiliary function is um, like the supportive parent, whereas this uh, function is the critical parent. And so it can feel like, like the flying monkeys, like just kind of taunting me, laughing at me. That's how it can feel. So, um, so then we have introverted sensation, which is the seventh function. And as BB calls the trickster, this is the blind spot function. This is the function that it's probably gonna be the hardest to be conscious of. And yet it is the one that is probably responsible for a lot of the times that you have tripped. So for SI, um, it is the word, the keywords are implementing, verifying and accounting. So do I have all my ducks in a row? Am I accounting for the things that need to be accounted for? For me, Oftentimes, no, like just right now, like I rec I'm recording this video, I'm about to go on a weekend uh, trip with my partner's family. And a couple weeks ago, like I, I have, I have a paper due on Monday for my master's program. A couple weeks ago, I could have sworn that I got an email pushing the date back. And so, I mean, I saw the email at least I thought then I wrote it down in my planner and then now I'm like looking and seeing that the date wasn't changed or maybe it was changed back and I'm very confused because I was not planning on having to write this paper so and I also like know I have to record this video now because I'm not going to want to do it later but I also need to write this paper and so that's just kind of an example of like not really being aware of the sensory things that need to be accounted for and not really implementing any sort of structure in the sensory world that's going to help me get there. And so for, for in the Wizard of Oz, we've got Toto as that role where Toto is the one running around that she's always chasing. Toto's the one who bit um, Amira Gulch. Toto kind of got her into this whole mess and Toto also is the one who pulled back the curtain to reveal that um, the Wizard of Oz was a fake. So it's interesting because Toto is a dog, right? All of these other people 
are all of the other functions are represented by people. And so you can kind of see that we're not really consciously aware of this function. It's, it has the least consciousness out of all of the others here. So um, the hero is not really attending to um, this function in the same way. But, you know, connecting that to the demonic function, extroverted thinking. And I also like to call this function the antagonist because it is absolutely against your um, protagonist, autopilot, dominant function in every way. And in this story, we've, it is Professor Marvel, uh, the Wizard of Oz, and the Munchkins. So... Professor, Professor Marvel is the fraud that was trying to tell Dorothy her future and was just lying, essentially. And um, the Wizard of Oz was claiming to know the answers and was lying, was just some guy. And I think that's really interesting because, okay, so let me go to TE. The last function here is the keywords for TE are regulating, planning, and enforcing. So this um, TE is what categorizes with logic the external world and sets all these rules. And this feels very contrary to who I am because I'm always trying to connect with everybody else and relate to everyone else that for me, TE can feel like unnecessary red tape or unnecessary rules when really from the TE conscious person's perspective, they're just trying to move things along and create a plan. The fact that in this story and in, in the projection, Dorothy is seeing the TE person as claiming to be an authority, but not really knowing anything is hilarious to me because that's kind of how I see authority. That's kind of how I see the man or whatever people are always, people are looking to for answers. Um, you know, whoever's laying down the law and saying this is what's true for everyone else, I'm very critical of, and it can feel very against my need to want to feel connected to everybody. And so I think that the relationship between extroverted thinking and introverted feeling in this case is interesting because you might think that it is the Wizard of Oz that has the answer, but really it's you that have been wearing the ruby slippers the entire time. So as you're walking that path, you think that you're trying to get to the complete opposite side of your psyche, which is extroverted thinking in the ENFJ's case, but the entire time, ever since you tapped into the um, introverted intuition, you've had those ruby slippers on. So when you go down into that deeper shadow work, it's so much easier to tap into that um, opposing personality role because I'm already such a strong feeler and focus on feeling that the other, the other side of feeling is going to be a lot easier for me to grab onto. And I believe that tapping into that function is the is a great way to try and see the other side, because um, um, FI is the other side of the coin of extroverted thinking. So, 
there's a lot I could talk about here. I'm getting pretty tired, but um, that's an example of the store of a story and how every type pattern has the story that it goes through. And like, for me in my life, my story has been wanting to be friends with everyone growing up, finally kind of finding my people, kind of accepting that I wasn't like everybody else. Um, I don't need to fit in with everybody. I just need to fit in with the types of people that resonate with me and allow me to, to be myself. That's been a huge lesson. And then, you know, in my career, trying to find a way for me to bring passion and purpose into my career. That's been absolutely huge because I don't really know how to separate my emotions from my work or from anything that I do. So it, it's this whole journey of trying to figure out how I can follow my heart and follow the yellow brick road of my gut and listen to those aha moments so that I can figure out how, how am I going to eventually craft this sort of stability for myself to be able to connect with the people that I love, use my strengths and provide for the people that I love, set boundaries when necessary, say no when necessary, um, not get mixed up into any sort of situations where I feel taken uh, for granted or misunderstood or like the person doesn't have my best interest at heart. Those are the things that are gonna kind of trip me up. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's the ENFJ uh, story. Uh, thank you for listening. I would like to do, um, you know, videos on the other type patterns. Um, I'm curious though, are there any stories that really resonate with you? Uh, if you have a different type pattern that you can kind of see the same thing going on, uh, please, please let me know um, because I would be very curious to see some other examples. Um, Thank you for uh, listening to this episode and have a wonderful rest of your day.